Welcome to the Journey of a Christian Dad podcast. I'm your host, Dan Lewis. Who is the spiritual leader of your family? Is it you, your pastor, your spouse, the media? Do you know? I did. And sadly, no one was taking responsibility to lead our family. Well, friends, someone needs to take that job, and that man is you. You may not feel qualified, and some days I don't. With the help of God and a community of dads helping each other on their journey, you can be the leader your family deserves. We welcome you to the Journey of the Christian Dad podcast. All right, this week we are going to just jump right in. So this week we've got a fantastic guy. He, he's got a whole reputation about him. He's an entrepreneur. He's a dad. He's a husband. He's a Christ follower. He's written a number of books. One of them is Motivated, The Unmotivated, which sounds impossible. So I love getting to dive into this topic. And he also owns a company called Life Pulse. So with that, let's just jump right in. We've got Matt Granados here on the journey of a Christian dad. Welcome. Damn. Thanks for having me. I, I was as we were praying before we got started, man, this is the first podcast I've done since probably the most impactful event has ever happened in my life. And it's very, uh, coincidences don't exist in, in, in my belief. So couldn't be happier to be on a podcast titled this and with you today. So thank you for having me. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. And I'm glad you let it let off that way. There's something coming folks. There's something coming. <laughs> I'm telling you, I've been dying to talk to you for a long time, but then it's just, it just put it up at a whole nother level. But before we jump into that, let's get a bit about who you are and a little bit about how you got to where you are these days. I know your background and upbringing, your, your parents were a big part of your life. And a lot of guys I talked to, uh, they didn't quite have the upbringing you had. You had a pretty solid, solid upbringing. Yeah. Uh, one thing was missing in my upbringing and it's this little thing called Christ. So I didn't grow up as a believer at all. I grew up as a Christian in the sense that December was a fun month, right? But um, my mom was Jewish. My dad was Catholic and they, they didn't give us, they, the, the goal was for us to choose a religion when we got older. And with that, uh, we decided not to. And, and you know, it's, I don't, it's no fault to them uh, by any means. However, it wasn't, it's only been a couple of years being a Christian, which is crazy, the path that we've been on. Where I came to Christ probably six, seven years ago. That was my first eye-opening. Wow. You mentioned mom, Jewish, dad, Catholic. So it sounds like you wild, maybe... wild journey. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So it sounds like maybe with the two of them, they maybe gave you the watered down, watered down version of both and said, you know, figure it out. And it wasn't even a watered down version. It just wasn't a version. And you know what I mean? It was the how, like, here's what we do. It was, it was the cultural version. Let's put it that way. That's an, I never said it like that, but that's really what it was. It was the cultural version of being a Christian. So you have Easter, you have Christmas, you know, and it's the cultural version of being Jewish. You have Yom Kippur, you have Rosh Hashanah, you have all the, the Hanukkah, you have all the, the cultural parts. And, and as I'm saying it, man, how many Christians are living the cultural Christian life? Go to church on Sunday, maybe not even go to church on Sunday. You own a Bible. You don't read a Bible. The cultural yes. side is that that watered down version that we all think we're doing what we should be doing, but we'll get into that. I think today. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So, what what was something you took from your mom, and what was something you took from your dad? Not stolen, but learned from, I should say. A God blessed way raised us. I I'm living a pretty good life, right? We built a million dollar business by the time I was twenty 
going exactly the way that I planned on it going. And I, I asked him, I said, but I don't follow your book. Now, he happened to be a Mormon, so I didn't realize he had two books. So <laughs> he only told me about the Bible one. He didn't give you the, the second one until later. But he said, no, he said, your parents did raise you biblically. They just didn't know it. And my dad was brought up Catholic, right? So he had the biblical principles. And my mom is just a genuinely good person. So she has a lot of the biblical principles God-given without her actually recognizing it. So that's what I got out of both of them was just how to be a good person. And, and what they did was they, they raised me in a way that gave me a choice so that when it came time for me to accept Christ in my life, I made the choice. And I went, I was all in. It was never forced down my throat and it was never talked down on. It was just, hey, if you want to do it, go for it. You want to learn about Jesus, go for it. They were never anti or overly supportive until I started getting into it. And then when I got baptized, they flew down to Atlanta to watch me get baptized. I mean, they, they were as supportive as any parent could be in anything that we were doing. But it doesn't mean that they were sitting there throwing the Bible at us because that definitely wasn't the case. <laughs> right. I understand that. It always, I don't say floors me, but people that we hang around and then we're involved in life with them. And then we find out that they're cultural Christians where we thought they were something deeper. And I just feel for, feel for them. I really do. And it's just, it's a harder way to do it. Like I'd rather it's just don't be a Christian if that's your choice, right? To go through the motions. I mean, man, could you imagine Jesus just going through the motions or any of the disciples who died upside down on crosses or heads taken off, like just going through the motions? Like it's not worth it. Honestly, I don't, I don't know if that's going to bug anybody on this podcast, but unless you're going to connect to the Holy Spirit and, and be obedient in everything he tells you as much as you can, and unfortunately, we as humans can't as much as he allows us to, what's the point? You can celebrate Christmas without being a Christian. Most people do. But what I suggest is if you want to be a Christian, man, pour in and let him pour into you and be in his word and let him guide you and listen when he guides you. Listen when your wife gives you insight that was brought to you through her, through the unity of one, and recognize the strength that you have in that team that's biblically sound. Man, life is just so much more enjoyable. Let's get your wife and kids into this one. So uh, tell us a little bit about your, your wife and kids. Yeah, so Maria is a rock star of all rock stars. Um, she is a, a powerful woman, a, a biblically powerful woman. I mean, she is changing women's lives all over the place. She's changing men's lives. I mean, she just she has a gift of discerning and interpreting God's word and then sharing it with people to help them understand it, bottom line. And that, that's really what she's doing. She's done that through uh, opening up very successful boutique uh, online that that's out of uh, the St. Louis area, but all over the country. She's done that through helping and supporting nonprofits. She's done that through missionary work, you know, the traditional style of getting into it. Um, but she also just does it with people when she's walking around. I mean, she's a walking Bible and people can talk with her and they'll get the gospel. If you talk to her long enough, you're going to hear it. So that's Maria. Because of that, Maria helped me create two amazing kids. And by help me, I did a little bit. She did the rest of it. And that's Natalie, who's four and a half and Zach, who is two and a half at the time of this. So um, those are that's our family. And man, when, when, when we talk family, this is when it's going to get real godly because what God has done in our family is unexplainable any other way with proof to show it in ways that are is just, I'm so blessed that he's given me that worldly vision, if that makes sense, versus just the blind faith. I mean, I have videos and videos and medical records and documents of God working through us in our life on a regular 
regular basis? Where do you want to start? <laughs> we got to start with the event. This is the first podcast we've done since the event, right? So um, I don't know when this is going to be, but uh, almost 30 days ago to the date, my daughter, Natalie, died for 20 minutes. I mean, completely lifeless, no pulse, no oxygen, no life. And within 12 hours, nothing less of a miracle, completely restored. People were praying throughout this entire journey. And when they would pray for things to happen, things would happen to the minute. People praying for her eyes to open. They text Maria, hey, we just prayed that her eyes would open. I text her a minute later saying, hey, her eyes opened. So Maria is not even there to know what's happening. She's just receiving these messages from two different parts of the country. And we have things like that that are gone on a regular basis. So let me give a little background of who Natalie is, because I think that's important to understand. Natalie has an extremely rare medical condition. Um, she's the 17th person in the world to ever have it, youngest by a decade, and hands down the furthest and most aggressive case of it. And because of this single mutation on one of her genes, it's a one in 600 billionth of a chance, she can't really uh, strengthen her muscles. So what that means is she can't walk, she can't crawl, she can't sit herself up, she can't readjust herself, you name it. Anything that has to deal with physical strength and the ability to use her muscles is a huge challenge for her. She's in a wheelchair. If you ever see her, she controls that wheelchair like it's her legs. Because of her physical weakness, her mental capability, as only God could do, has thrived. So she is twice her age mentally and about a quarter of her age physically of what wow. she should be able to do. Natalie has been the biggest test on my faith I've ever experienced, and not in the way that most people would think. When you have a miracle like Natalie living in your house, and there's three separate miracles that I want to share on this podcast that, that she has put in our life, and, I, and message us, look it up. I mean, we'll send you the pictures and the videos to show it. This is not a kind of here's what we thought happened. It's holy smokes, how did we get that on video type thing? And Natalie has shown us miracles multiple times over. So let's start with the other two before we start with her coming back from the dead. Let's oh, let's yeah. do that. <laughs> yeah, let's do um, that. First one that she did that absolutely rocked my world was, and hopefully I don't get too weird on your with your listeners. I mean, you know, the Holy Spirit is weird in the true definition of weird, meaning supernatural, unexplainable. So if I'm going to kind of freak you out a bit, Check everything I say with what the Bible says, and you'll understand nothing I'm saying is, is anything scarier than what you might have read or you should have read in the Bible. Natalie, we're sitting there, and one week, Natalie's just having an issue. She might be one and a half, maybe, right? And we start recognizing something's up with her, right? She's not crawling. She's, she's not walking. She's not standing. She's not even trying to. She, you know, she falls to the side. She can't catch herself. So at this point, you know, it, we're kind of past the slow development and there's something up with her. So it's a week that Maria's actually at a, at a conference. I think she was away at a Christian women's program uh, out in Colorado. And I'm sitting there with Natalie. Zach is not born yet. And anytime we used to have a, a, a like a comic book Bible that I would kind of walk through Natalie with. And she would just look at the pictures. I wouldn't read much to her, just kind of go through it. She's one and a half. And for some reason, every bad character, Harold to Ebenezer. I mean, you go through all the bad characters. She would point at them. And if I'd point at Moses or someone like that, she would get upset. And I'm sitting there going, all right, that's weird. Again, coincidence don't exist in my belief, but what's this about? So I kind of, when I feel an attack like that coming on, I step into it because I know the, the team I'm on will overcome it with ease. 
my fleshiness won't, but the spiritual side will. So I'm stepping into it. So now I'm like, all right, we're going to forget this, you know, comic book Bible. Like, let's pull out the real deal. We're going to start with the gospel. Let's see how she takes me reading the gospel to her. So I start reading the gospel to her and she is trying to tear at the pages. She, she's not happy that I'm reading this word to her. And wow. now I'm upset. This is how I get when we get spiritually attacked. It's like you're it's I'm offended that this entity is trying to overcome this little like I'm I'm like insulted that they would even think that this is an option. Like, that's just kind of how I work with this. So uh, Maria gets home and I go, hey, we got to talk about something here. Read the Bible to her and tell me what her reaction is. We're, you know, Maria was home on like kind of like a Friday. And then on Saturday at our church, there was an individual coming in who was a healer. And I'm sitting there going, all right, let's go. Let's see what this person's all about. And I told Maria, I said, we're going to go. We're going to bring Natalie to him and let's see what he can do. Right. I have full faith that that there are people in this world that can lay hands on people and heal them completely in ways that medicine cannot explain. It's the same power that created the planet. Might as well be the same power that can correct things that need to be corrected. So we went and Natalie would sit there. And when we got in there, Natalie just kind of started waving at him from the stage. <laughs> All right, that's kind of strange. So the talk's over and he said, anyone who wants to come heal, come up to the stage. And Maria's like, are you going to go? I'm like, absolutely. Like we're in. Let's go. We're the perfect person for this. We go to the front of the stage. And before we get to the stage, random people start coming up to us and say, hey, God told me to pray for her right hip. Another person. God told me to pray for her left foot. Another person. God wow. told me to pray for her right foot. And out of nowhere, like four or five people come around and they just start praying for her. And we're, we're all for it. And Maria's holding her at this moment. And Natalie just starts screaming and crying and flailing and, and just, just drool, like drools coming out. And just she's Maria's eventually like Maria's in tears, right? Because her daughter's not enjoying this. So Maria hands her to me. I grab her and they start praying. And within about five or 10 minutes, Natalie just starts smiling. She's like, I don't know where, just click, smile, everything's good to go. And Natalie, they, then they come in, they, they say, you know, we want, you know, they're praying for her to walk and stand and get her legs to work and all that stuff. So everyone kind of calms down and goes away. And I'm sitting with Natalie. Uh, on the stage and no one's with us. And I'm just like, you know what? Like I need to, I, I have the same authority as that person does through the Holy spirit. I need to, this is my daughter. This is kind of my responsibility. I felt let's Natalie in the name of Jesus Christ stand. And I'm telling you, she puts her hands on my shoulders. I put her down and she stands. It's the only time in her life that she stood ever, ever. With a huge smile. I get the chills thinking about it, with a huge smile. So I look over and I go, Maria. And she's sitting there kind of being consoled by the other people, what she just saw. And everyone kind of looks up. And fortunately, Maria grabbed a camera just in time to get a picture of it, where it's just Natalie standing, holding my shoulder. So that's number one. We got two more before we end this. All right. And and, and there's a purpose to this. Of why I'm, I'm not telling these stories to say, hey, look how cool my daughter is. It's because of what God's finally taught me this last time that I need to correct about how I'm leading my family in a way that I think a lot of us as Christians kind of stop when we get to the point that I've gotten to. And there's a whole nother level. I think we need to open up as dads. So there is a point to this. Number two, we're away. My mother-in-law is watching Natalie. Nat, we now moved to St. Louis, Natalie. And I've never told these stories on any podcast, Dan. So this is the first, first time. So hopefully you guys like it. Natalie is where she's she, uh, staying with my, my mother-in-law. She's right in Chesterfield. And we get a video of, my mother-in-law recording the monitor while Natalie's napping. So Natalie's up in the room by herself praying 
full words to Jesus in the corner saying, Jesus, I see you right there in the corner. Please turn my muscles on. I want my muscles turned on. I see you right there in the corner. No one's there right at two years old. We haven't, I mean, we've prayed around her, but we haven't prayed to a point she was able to copy. Uh, Like, like there's, there's learned behavior. That's because they've probably been told enough times that they're going to go to heaven. We haven't gotten to that point with her yet. It is an amazing video. And again, you can find it on our social media. So that happened August 26th, 2019 is when we posted that video online. Two years later, August 26th, 2021, uh, about 30 days ago, was when Natalie had her, what I call the event, where basically she passed away, had to do CPR, revived her. They came back, defibrillator, all the whole thing, got her to an emergency room, medevaced her, and a helicopter over to uh, Children's Hospital in Chicago because we were up there at Lake Michigan. Um, And then Natalie was there dead for 20 minutes, not a single, single sign of any type of issue from brain damage to any of that makes no sense. So while I was doing CPR on her little body, something came over me that said, breathe into her mouth. So I took a huge breath, which is not how you're supposed to do CPR. And I didn't know this. I'm not CPR certified, right? I think when I was an Eagle Scout, I probably cheated my way through the test. I mean, I'm... You know, I'm not the guy you want to come to you when you're not breathing. And uh, I felt her lungs open. It was like it, it, I, I could feel it. And my brother was behind me, and he said, he said, no, I heard it. And he described it sounding like like a plastic bag that was wet opening up. Oh, wow. Right? So, like, I basically – and I, I was like, wow. Like, I just took – like, put breath into her body, kind of like God did to us in Genesis, right? So this isn't me with the God complex. This is me going – Whoa, I'm experiencing something. The reason Natalie passed away, and, and she's fine now, just so everyone knows as you're listening to this, like she's, she's at school right now. She's, there's, there is no sign of any of this happening. In fact, she's better now than she was before this happened, which also makes no medical reason. So um, I breathe into her. She uh, doesn't come back to life, but I feel her lungs open. So I start doing chest compressions again and again and again and take another breath, and I feel it open up again open up again. Eventually the paramedics come, they do the the, the fibrillator, all that stuff, get her where we need to go. So we're at the hospital and my brother-in-law, once everything's kind of settled, you know, my family's concerned, they're all there, but my brother-in-law and my brother sit me down and we go and grab something to eat. And they're like, all right, like Natalie's stable. Are you okay? Like (laughs) we just watched you bring your daughter back to life and you're kind of sitting here like nothing just happened. And, um, I was like, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. And, and my, I, I don't remember if it's my brother or my brother-in-law, but they both were on kind of the same page was, Hey, maybe when you put a breath in her, you think she gave you a breath back? Like maybe something you should think about, like maybe you should take a breath on this crazy journey you're on and this life you're living right now. And uh, I kind of took, it was like, look, God's got my back. Get out of here. Like, I don't need your, your worldly advice. Yeah. You know, I got my spiritual guy and I'm good to go which I think is true to an extent, but I think they were onto something. So I'm praying, all right, God, what is it? Why did you bring her back? Right? Like she was gone. And this is a little girl that, by the way, in the last nine months, we've been in the hospital 10 times, the ICU overnight stays because anytime she gets a cold, she can't clear it because she doesn't have enough muscles to cough out the mucus. So what happens is, and this is where it gets interesting. She dies 12 hours later. She's perfectly fine. No, nothing. And we're back home in St. Louis. It happened on a Thursday. 
Saturday, we're back home in St. Louis. Doesn't make any sense. Um, but it does if you believe. It makes perfect sense if you believe. So what happens is I'm praying, trying to figure out what do I need to do from now? And here's what I realized. And this is where I want dads to really hone in on this. I was a really good dad. I was a really good husband. And let me explain why. I didn't cheat. I don't beat my wife. I'm, I, I'm not, I don't look at porn. I, I don't worry about hookers. I, I, all of that sex is not something that I'm looking for anywhere outside of my relationship. I'm a really good dad. I, I support my kids. I, I don't yell at them too much. It's all the things that I don't do that the worldly, the world has said that, you know, is not okay, but kind of accepted for guys to do. Like, look, if you look at porn, just, it's just, you're just a guy, right? Well, I get that. So from a worldly sense, I was a good dad. I was a good husband. But what God put on my heart when he had my little girl breathe a, a breath of life back into my lungs was, but are you a biblical father and are you a biblical husband? And that rocked my world. And the answer was no. Being a good husband and a good father does not mean you're a biblical husband and a biblical father. How many good fathers, you know, will take their son and potentially sacrifice him up on a mountain because God told them to do it, right? Good dads won't do that. Biblical fathers, they might, right? Situations like that. And, and here's where it came to was, I'm not Natalie's doctor. I'm Natalie's dad. I'm not Maria's therapist. I'm Maria's husband. I don't need to fix Maria through this. I need to support Maria through this. I need to be able to look at my daughter when she asks me at some point, which is nearly inevitable outside the miracles that we've already seen. So I'm not going to be surprised, but all things considered that she will ask me someday, dad, what's going to happen tomorrow when I don't wake up? Where am I going? Right. I have a son who needs to see a strong father, not a stoic father, who sits there and doesn't show any emotion. It doesn't show any pain because we just got to get through this. Yes, my daughter died, but that's just part of how life is. And son, we're good. I got to be able to comfort my wife during this and while all this is happening. And, and I have not been doing that very well at all. So this whole concept of like, hey, we're doing okay. And I, I remember I was sitting there talking with a buddy of mine going, man, I don't think I've ever experienced true love in my life from the way that we talk biblically, right? Like brothership wise, the, 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 the sex wise. Yeah. I, I get all those types of loves, but you're talking true agape love. I don't think I've experienced that. And if I haven't experienced it, I can tell you one thing's for sure. I've never shown it. You can't show something like that unless you truly experience it. So, so how connected was I with God? And the answer is very, but not enough. There's always more, right? The sanctification right. journey that we're on, doesn't stop till we're dead. And unfortunately, as dads, when you're a Christian dad, if you're partially a Christian dad, you're probably doing better than most worldly dads when it comes to doing the right things and avoiding the wrong things. But that does not mean that you were biblically leading your house. And that was what I was not doing. So long story coming all the way back around. And sorry, Dan, for talking the whole time. But no, this is great. This is one of the things I think most dads are doing is they're stopping at okay. God's I agree. not okay. I agree. Like we got to step it up. Like we got to, we have to be, I want my son to see me cry and come to me and go, man, you cried and you were able to do that. My wife and I had a podcast we would do. And, and one of the topics was emotional stability. And most people would sit there and go, man, Matt, you are so emotionally stable. Maria, you're a little wild. 
and we were talking on this podcast and I went, holy smokes, like, wait a minute. I'm not emotionally stable. I'm emotionally suppressed. She's emotionally stable. She can deal with crazy, sad, angry, whatever, and still walk through life. I just don't deal with it. So what I'm finding now is my concept of processing is, you know, A to Z, and I don't go through the other 24 letters of the alphabet. But then what has to happen if we do that as men, which is what we've been told to do, and I've been praised, and trust me, I've built million-dollar businesses with this mindset, and it's been very helpful from a worldly sense. It's even been helpful from a, from a, a, a spiritual sense when it comes to the truth side, the logical side, but not the spirit side, which in John 4, 23, you got to recognize, right, there's two sides of this, truth and spirit. And what happened was I have been able to overcome the spiritual side. I put that in air quotes, and you can't see that if you're listening because it's not true. I didn't actually overcome it, but I've been able to just be so logical, so stuck in structure, so, stru- so stuck in the, the process of being a Christian, the cultural Christian. I have, had not, I have not given it the ability for the spiritual side to truly break me open and break me down and let me die on the cross like Christ through him, be resurrected, brought back to life like he did with my daughter in the sense of this emotional, spiritual creature, which is who we should be as Christians. That was a lot. And I don't even know what I just said. So hopefully we got that recorded. Um, <laughs> we, do, we do. This is the first interview that I've done. And trust me, honestly, even if this wasn't an interview that was uh, targeted towards Christians, this is what would have probably come out um, because it's just the life we're living. And I love the fact we have, we have a foundation that we just started called Take Part, which is help, which supports strictly pediatric research, research for pediatric rare diseases. And my wife came up with a tagline that we have lived by since she said it. And it was let your fight shine. Yeah. Because when Natalie rolls into a room, everybody sees her fight and you can't help, but feel when I roll into a room, few people see my fight. Dan, few people see your fight because as Christian men, we got this under control. But what God showed me when I was trying to do the therapy needed that I was told to do following the process and the programs that we have in line, I was the one who lodged something in her lungs that killed her. I wasn't the one who brought her back to life. My control brought us there. His control got us out of there. How many times in my life do I think I'm actually in control and I'm not in control? There's nothing we're in control of. But if we walk in obedience, man, we are more protected than anything else we can do with our own worldly being, without a doubt. And the final part to this that really rocked my thought on this was I was talking to a friend of mine and I said, I know that I love God. I know that I love Maria. I know that I love my kids. I love them with all of my ability. I love them the most I possibly can. And I sat there. And I just said, man, that's a great point. It's to my ability. And if it's to my ability, it's not enough. Mm. I have to love him to his ability. I have to love her to his ability. If I'm focused on him, then I can love her the way I need to love her. If I'm focused on her, we're on worldly levels. I will fall apart as a leader. I need to stay focused on him. That's great. I, I want to take you back to when your brother, brother-in-law mentioned about breathing. Yeah. For whatever reason, breathing has been coming into my life quite a bit. It's um, an important part of life. Very important. Very important. <laughs> it's something we take for granted. We don't really think too much about. And yeah. we did a little 30 day challenge and I had a box breathing challenge and guys like, what's this all about? And 
you know, we can talk about that some other time, but my brother uh, almost died of COVID maybe a month ago, a month and a half ago. Like right. it was very real. I recorded a podcast about it the morning that I wasn't sure if he was alive or dead only because we hadn't received a message that he woke up yet. Wow. Like, so I was tough. super emotional. And so breath was involved there. And I called my parents that morning and I said, Hey, uh, mom, how are you? And she goes, well, we don't really know if he's alive or dead right now. Wow. And she stops and she goes, wait, did you ask how I am? <laughs> I said, yeah, that was, that was exactly what I asked. How are you? And she answers. She says, well, I'll answer for me and your dad. We feel numb. Yeah. Both mentally and, and physically. She's like, we pinch our arms. We can't really even feel ourselves. Everything we see is like, is it real or is it not real? We're just in this numb state of mind. I'm like, yeah, kind of me too. That's a pretty good, accurate way of describing it. So I hear you say that with your brother saying, Hey, breathe, chill out, like yeah. open your eyes. Like what's happening? How are you feeling? You know, let's step away from the situation and allow yourself to their words, breathe. But what, what was it? What, what were your thoughts as you reflect back or yeah, it's my thoughts were, I got this. Like, thank you for your suggestion. I got this. And I think sometimes we as Christians don't open our eyes to what other people are showing us. Cause guess what? God works through everybody. Mm-hmm. Not just Christians. He uses whatever's needed. I mean, look at all the people in the Bible who weren't Christians who he's worked through to teach us lessons. Right. So oh, absolutely. So don't be so arrogant to not listen. He speaks through many ways. So it's hard. And, and anyone who's listening, if you were going, if you can relate to this, reach out to me. I'm dead serious. Right. And I, I'd, I'd be happy to walk with anybody through this because it's really important. I don't hold back my emotions. I don't process them. There's a difference. And when you have emotions sitting in your body, this is going to sound kind of strange, but they become what I call free floating emotions and free floating emotions go somewhere. Eventually you just don't know where they're going to go and where they're going to go. So for me, my free-floating emotions go from either come out happy or angry. So if I'm scared, it comes in as I'm scared, it comes out as angry. If I'm upset, it comes in as upset, goes out as angry. That's how I've trained myself to process because, hey, guess what? There's no time for emotions. We're building businesses. We're making money. We have employees to feed. We have families to feed. We have customers to take care of. We are building something and doing all the wrong things for the right reasons, right? And what happens is, I've run, in, I've run into this issue that I don't think to breathe because I don't need to breathe. So much so that I went and got a physical afterwards to go, I got a, something must be off with me. My resting heart rate's at basically 35 beats per minute. Oh my goodness. It's, it's amazing. And I, a doctor's like, hey, there's nothing wrong with you, man. You're good to go. I'm like there's something wrong. There's something going on because I shouldn't be good to go. I don't care how much faith I have. If I had faith, I would, I would be at, like I used to always say, oh, I'm, I'm at peace, but I'm not comfortable with the peace I have. Well, and guess what? You ain't at peace, right? Like right, when you're at peace, right. you're at peace. There's no but, there's no if, there's no end. You're there. And uh, I finally went and was talking with a therapist and she said, you know, here's the issue. She goes, I don't think you had a traumatic situation. And we're, I'm, I mean, I'm going every week right now. This is not like I'm, I figured this out years ago. I'm in it right now. So that's why I'm saying if anyone wants to walk through it, reach out. I don't know if I could help you, but I could at least share with you my experience. And she goes, you still have the ups and downs. You've just stretched it like a rubber band that your body is able to deal with it and get over it, not in a healthy way. 
in actually a dangerous way because your physiology is still getting messed up, but your heart's supposed to race. You're supposed to have fight and flight. And if you don't, it's dangerous because your body's still going in overdrive. So I got this whoop band on my arm. There's some days that it will tell me, hey, by the way, good job. You worked out three times today. <laughs> I've been behind the desk all day. Something's up. And what is up is the fact that there's a lot of stuff kind of pent up in there that will eventually come out. No questions asked. And the only way to effectively bring them out is through two ways. Number one, through him. And number two is through my wife. He put on my heart that she is here to help me process things that I've never processed. Because <laughs> he made her an emotional being mm -hmm. on the level that I can't understand. But for us, we're the same being. We should be the same way. We should be able to handle our emotions and process our emotions. And I just don't do it. So you're a strong guy mentally. You're a strong guy physically. Got the traditional outward strength where people go, oh, he doesn't show his emotion and he's tough yeah. and all that. But what you said, and I don't know if guys quite caught it, you said you're seeing professional help. Always. Always. So how There's long ago did that start? I always have a coach in whatever it is I'm dealing with in life, whether it's a couple that's pouring into us and the way I talk in our book, motivate the motivate. I talk about it in the sense of, uh, I call them filling your buckets concept really came from is the concept of Timothy, Paul and Barnabas. Yes. I believe you need all three. Yes. Yeah. And, and, and you need to be all three. Not only do you need all three, you need to be all three. So how do you do that? Well, guess what? You need people pouring into you. You need to pour into yourself and you need to pour into others. So if I'm trying to do something, I always try to do all three. That's why I just said, anyone wants to reach out and walk through this with me, let's do it. Because I want to pour back into you when I'm getting poured into. It's like this constant give and take. And because of that, it allows us to process things in different ways. Anytime I need to do something, I find someone who's done what I've done and I call them and I ask them, how did you do it? Here's the key though. I listen and I try to make their advice work. It's a whole different mindset. It's a mindset of trying to prove things right versus proving things wrong. Mm -hmm. So Dan, you give me advice on, hey man, here's how, I, here's how I would handle Natalie's situation. And you've never dealt with Natalie's situation. What I don't do is go, Dan, you don't understand what I'm going through. Therefore, okay, interesting. Dan thought that, now not to the detriment of me, not against anything morally or ethically by any means, but like, hey, maybe you should try, you know, reading her a book at night. Dan, you don't get it. You don't know what my nights are like. You don't know what happens. You don't know the treatment we have to do. I don't try to prove you wrong. I try to prove you right. That's the big thing when it comes to, to finding professional help. And I highly suggest anyone out there, go find professional help for whatever it is you're trying to do. You want to go, I, I did an Ironman because my Maria told me I had no physical goals. So I went and ran an Ironman. What's well, the first thing I did? I didn't have a bike. I didn't have shorts. I didn't even have running shoes. I didn't even know what I signed up for. Literally. I had to find out on our first meeting. <laughs> but I wanted to prove to her I could do something physical. And, and it was very hard, but we did it. And what happened was I found a coach. You get married, find a coach. Having marriage issues, find a coach. Business issues, find a coach. Motivation issues, find a coach. And it doesn't have to be someone you're paying. It can be someone in your church, your neighbor, whoever it is. Find someone who's done what you've done and ask them how to do it, including being a dad, including being a Christian. It's all biblical all biblical and psychologist you're fine with seeing a psychologist yeah and, and and again because of the fact that i i can take what dan says put it through my filter also known as the bible the bible and go okay you know what 
Dan told me this. Yes, that's biblically based. I'm willing to try it. Dan tells me this. Not biblically based. Probably not going to try it. No offense to Dan, but just, yeah, it doesn't work. And people sit there and go, well, how do you know if it's biblically based? That's why you got to read it. Yes. Every single day I'm in the Bible, minimum 20 minutes, no matter what. Every single day. Why is it? Because that's where the answers are. Why would you not? What is more important? Honestly, Cardinals are you know, going to the playoffs. Fantastic. How much time have you spent watching the Cardinals? Maybe give some of that to Jesus. How many times have you sat there arguing COVID? Oh, Maybe my goodness. we talk about stuff else. How many times have you told someone you should get vaccinated or you shouldn't get vaccinated trying to save them? How about you try to save them from eternity? I mean, I mean, we, we have time to do this stuff. We just don't do it. So don't kid yourself and don't make excuses. It's not worth it because guess what? When the time comes and you have to answer for it, he knows the answers probably more than you do. Yeah, absolutely. So I'll throw a question at you, put you a little bit on the spot. You mentioned That's fine. Reading, reading the Bible. Yeah. So I heard a question a long time ago. It was, you know, have you, you run into God, you're dead. God says, Hey, Matt, do you read any good books? Yeah. Right. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I even wrote one, a few. Yeah. <laughs> and God says, Hey, Matt, have you read mine? And I'm like, when I heard that question a long time ago, I thought, no, actually, I've read a bunch of it, but I'm not 100% certain that I can tell you that I read 100% of it. Yeah. There's some oh, Leviticus it, chapters. <laughs> yeah, you, you run through those. those why, why do I need to know everybody's name? Why yeah. do I need to know in numbers? Who's who, who? And when I get to that point, here's the fun part. And this, this is why, look, if, if you're a guy and you like to investigate things, which we're built this way, right? is do it. Like I had to Google, why am I sitting here reading who's begotten who? Well, there's a reason because there's prolific things that come of that later on, later on. And you start understanding, why do I have to read the Bible? Like, like Amos, like we don't talk about him in church. Why are we reading this book? Well, read it and find out and ask him, why am I reading this book? This is the beautiful part is our job not to question it. But our job is to understand it. And part of understanding it is questioning it. Is questioning it, it yeah. How yeah. did Jesus possibly come back from the dead? That's not possible. In some church circles, that question is not allowed to be asked. I think you should answer that to yourself. Because as a disciple, you need to be able to answer that to somebody else. Paul to Timothy. Go to your Barnabas, be the Paul, then go to your Timothy and be able to answer it. If you can't answer why you believe what you believe, I'm telling you, you don't believe. Sorry if I'm losing you listeners, but it's, it's just the God honest truth. And if you don't believe in anything, you do believe in something. Yes. Yes. It is very clear what we should be doing as Christians, dads. And it starts with how much time are you spending in his word? How much time do your kids see you in his word? If your kid asked you, what, what is your favorite thing? Are they saying it's the St. Louis Cardinals or it's God? Mm. I got no problem with it being sports. I just don't want it to be the number one thing my kids think about me for. Yeah, absolutely. So we were doing a exercise just yesterday, me and my family, and we were talking about what our favorite words were. And these were all values-based words. Yeah. Well, about probably six months ago, it was last school year. My youngest daughter says, Hey dad, what's your favorite word? I thought that's a curious question. Where did this come from? And I think it was a homework assignment from school. Yeah. And I had to think, what's my favorite word? That's a pretty like that wasn't what are some of your favorite words that was what's your favorite word yeah i'm like i don't know and i came up with 
I can't even remember what the first word I came up with was maybe happy might've been it. You know, pretty good word. I like that word. I don't think that's my favorite. I'm not sure what is. Right. And my daughter goes, I know what it is, dad. I said, yeah, tell me. And I thought she was going to come with God or Jesus or something. I think she picked one of those. I was like, okay. I'm like, you know, I, you're pretty close. You're pretty close. I think that's close. And I think agape spun through my mind. And I was like, you know what? Love, love. That's the word. That's yeah. my very, very favorite word of all time. She's like, but God's better than love. I'm like, well, that's the thing. <laughs> God is love. Yeah. The essence of it. That's what he is. I'm like, so I'm like, I'm picking the word love because love is God. And then love is what we do here on earth. Yeah. And if we can have that as our central core and ripple that everywhere, that, that one makes a difference. So we're doing this exercise as a family last night and my daughter had done it while I was gone. And I looked and saw what she wrote. I go, and I told my wife, I said, Hey, I'm pretty sure I know which one she's going to have circled of all these different words. Right. And sure enough, love was number one. And my wife also had circled love. Number one. I was like, this is so cool to have, awesome. you know, out of a hundred words, hundred different core value type things that, yeah. you know, that was kind of the central theme of our family. I'm like, man, I'm doing something at least. Okay. Cause that one's important to me. Which is cool. And then here's like, here's what I would do. Cause I like to drive like, all right, let's figure this out. For me, I'm thinking if I did ask my kids, what's the one word I say most would it have anything to do with how I want to represent God. They might mm. say, stop it. Be quiet. Right. right. Like, right. That's a great exercise that few people would be comfortable getting the true answers from the true people. So let me give a quick example from a business world. We work with some large companies big tech companies that, I mean, you've all heard of, and I, and I don't like the, anytime I talk negatively about a client, I don't give the name, but this right, is right. one of them. And we were at their headquarters, their New York office, and they have their core values all over the walls, right? Like every good tech company does, right? And I asked them, I said, does everyone know what the core values are? And they all could repeat them like zombies. Oh, wow. I got, cool. I said, write down the meaning of this one. Not a single person said the same thing. So when you talk about the word love, what is your definition of love? Because love is a word that in itself can't be described by the word love. So we have a chapter in the book, Motivate the Unmotivated, uh, the reason why communication is so hard. And, and the simple reason is this. It's an, you're expressing an emotion through a logical form. That's why communication is so hard. That's why now that we text, it's even harder. That's why now yes. that we email, it's even harder. So you're communicating something that can't be created. So because of that, we put it in a box like love, which love doesn't even describe what God, God doesn't even describe what God is. So we go through these circles. So I think it's a great exercise, but I, I'm sitting there going, so I'm reflecting on myself going, what would my four-year-old say is the word that I say most? It might be stop it. I got a two and a half year old son. <laughs> it might be stop it now, Right. But I don't know if it would be God or Jesus or, or, or I, I don't know if they would answer. I, I, I'll ask. I'll let you know, Dan, because it's super interesting to do that. That would but, be cool. Ev Evidence-based type things. Yeah. And, and, and so the, the other example is we, we have a podcast that we're literally in the middle of recording now and launching soon called Best People, Best Place, where we interview the best, pe best places in the world who have been voted on. And we find out why are they voted the best place to work. And it's because of the people. It's what they do for their people. And we, again, our, our consulting company, Life Pulse, we do this all over the world for all countries of different size and individuals one-on-one. -on -one. But in this situation, what we started doing was we started doing a couple of these episodes. And I go, you know what, Dan, you're telling me what you want to hear. Can I survey your employees? 
So part of the, now the episodes, I surveyed their employees and I say, Dan, your employees said this, tell me why you do that. And it's amazing how these best places to work all have one thing in common and that's their core values in their business are the same as them as a people, as a person. Wow. And because of that, everyone knows their core values. Everyone understands their core values and everyone speaks in terms of the core values versus this larger company that everyone praises for having amazing culture. Not a single person can connect with the core value. How is that working in your family as a dad? How's that working with your business as your team? You're managing your team. You're growing your team. You're trying to motivate the unmotivated, right? Which is the whole book we wrote. We got to figure that out again. We really, really do. I like, uh, I like that because I always, I don't even try anymore. Just being authentic. It's like, I'm trying to be authentic anymore. Like I'm so thankful that I've peeled back so many different masks and filters and probably still not all the way there, but right. I feel pretty good consistently across the board. And people ask, Hey, how do you, whatever. And the bottom line is I'm like, I, I don't really care what anybody else thinks Yeah, to some level. True. There's some times, but you know, when you can just act congruent throughout each different aspect of your life and the people you interact with, like you just said, it didn't really matter what the podcast was when I was going to talk about something. These were the words that was going to come out of my mouth regardless about, right. you know, so yeah. it's neat being able to live your life that way. So I'd like to, to get into motivate the unmotivated just a little bit. Okay. Hit us with some of the concepts of that for the person that went, oh yeah, right. This is impossible. This one's not yeah. happening. So I have to, because of what I just experienced, I have to tell you about both books. Yeah, yeah. Because it's a key to it, right? So motivate the unmotivated is strictly just a simple solution to motivate anybody. The main character of the story is uh, an individual we call Unmo, who's a distant cousin of Elmo. Um, and if you <laughs> see the picture of him, it looks like he's been out drinking a couple of days, hasn't shaved in a while. You know, basically, he's been hanging out with Oscar too long, right? If you really want to get into where he is in Sesame Street. But we all have unmos in our life, and we all are unmos. So the biggest thing to recognize to motivate the unmotivated is that motivation is not a character trait. It's a state of mind. That's the overall takeaway. And then why are some people motivated and other people not motivated? It's simply this. Motiv people, when people are in a motivated state of mind, they're able to connect the outcome with the current actions. It's like, and they feed off each other, kind of like a neuron feeds energy back and forth, right? In your brain. When you're un in an unmotivated state of mind, you cannot connect your current actions with the desired outcomes. So if you're in the spirit, you are doing this here, knowing what's after. Yes. And when you focus on eternity, you go, okay, I might want to take care of stuff here. And when you focus on here, you might want to do what you need to do for eternity. So you're going back and forth with those actions. So that's how you stay motivated as a Christian is you recognize there's a bigger picture of this whole thing. It's not just reading the Bible because we are here because of what's happening after. And for all of you, what happened in the beginning? Like this, this is a, a full circle story we're a part of. So that's the motivate the unmotivated. When it comes to motivating Christians, if any of you are listening like, man, I just need to be a more motivated Christian, reach out to me. We have process to go through that we can walk you through step by step. It is so simple, but it will start with reading the Bible. So if you don't want to start there, don't reach out. I'm just telling you the first step, right? <laughs> there's a lot that you can do with that and how we do it and how I do it with my wife and how we do it together and, and how when we're off, man, it's brutal. But then I also want to talk about the intentional week. And here's the reason why. Everything we do at Life Pulse is based on a formula of a combination of intention and structure. If you combine intention and structure you will get the desired outcome. 
I'm very certain of that within reason, obviously, right? We have some, some natural laws of, of, of the universe we have to pay, play against, but intention and structure, what I've done and what I found most men do, especially dads, we find a structure that works and then we rely on the structure. That structure becomes the God. Mm-hmm. We forget about the intention part. Intention is the desire to achieve any goal, the why behind any goal. The structure is a systematic approach to ensure the result. So we start going through the motions of being a dad without remembering the intention of that first day you held your kid in the hospital. So how do we re-engage intention on a daily basis? That's the key to being a motivated individual. That's the key to being a motivated Christian. Daily re-engagement with intention. And that's where this concept of the intentional week comes from. Why is there a week? A lot of people would say, well, God created the earth, right? Rested on the seventh day. And maybe, but here's what happened. The reason the week exists Every other time period that we use, day, not week, day, month, quarter, year, all have survival benefits to it. A day, you know when to walk around, you know when to hide, right? You don't want to be out at night. Other things can kill you there as humans. So day, you're up, night, you're sleeping. A week, no value. Month, the moon moves. So when you're trying to survive in the wild without, you know, ways or anything, you got to have some form of direction, which was the moon at night. You don't want to use the sun, it hurts your eyes. Then we talk about quarters, which are seasons. That's when different weathers change and you need to adapt how you're doing. And then years, you start back over. The only reason a week exists is because of the Sabbath. And because of the Sabbath, the marketplace stopped. And instead of letting the Sabbath control the marketplace, the marketplace decided, hey, we're just going to restart. We're going to take a day off. Everyone takes Saturday off and we're going to come back again. That's where the week became. It is for the marketplace. It is man-made. And because of that, we can tweak that. We can change the way we look at that. And if you change your weeks, you will change your life. No question about it. And that leads us to how we started this whole thing was this thing. Well, if you're watching, you see it over my shoulder, but it's our LP journal, our LP plan, or whatever you want to call it. Uh, Basically, it's nine questions that God put on my heart when I was at a complete low, lost everything, was engaged, was no longer engaged. Doctors told me I wouldn't make it past 40. Employees embezzled about, embezzled about a quarter of a million dollars worth of product from me. All of this in like a 30-day period. Oh, wow. And he said, just make it the Sunday. Just make it the next week. And anything more than a week was overwhelming. It was just too much. And a day was too painful because I was in it. But a week gave me flexibility, gave me strength, gave me power, gave me the ability to move from one to another, but with a close enough finish line that I knew it needed to get done. So if you start living one week at a time, you will be in a successful mold and in a successful life. And here's the key. We call this the LP structure of success. And I use this in my marriage. I use this with my kids. I use this in my business and every business we consult. And it starts with daily action, weekly planning, monthly celebration, quarterly review, annual retreat. So let me walk you through how I do that annual retreat. Once a year, my wife and I, we will go and we will do a full planning session for our life. Make sure we're on the same page. Make sure we know what hills we're looking to die on. What are we willing to say yes to or no to? On a quarterly basis, we will review review our quarter, review our finances, just like you would a business. We do it in our marriage. I do it with my kids. I do it with the businesses. Monthly celebration. We're going tonight. We call this a life date. Once a month, my wife and I go on a special date where uh, no diets are allowed. We go out as long as we can. We get each other a gift. There's no price point. We've ranged things from cars to cards 
I mean, literally, whatever you want to get each other, but every month we get each other a gift and we get there and we talk life. Good, bad, ugly. Here's the key. No phones are allowed. You switch phones. There's no time limit. You don't ask for anything. You don't ask for a menu. You don't ask for drinks. You don't ask for the bill. You try to drag it on as long as you can. And no solutions. Meaning I hear what she's got to say. She hears what I have to say. There is no rebuttal. There's no because. There's no end but. It just is what it is. It is one of the most powerful things that if we go further than 30 days, we start falling apart. It's a good reset. Weekly planning. That's where we use this planner, the way my wife and I use it. I do mine. She does hers. We come together on Sunday. We talk about the week. I was amazed how disconnected I was with her as the most important person in my life. Wow. And then finally, daily actions. What am I doing every single day to re-engage intention on my goals? Meaning, does Maria know I love her? Do my kids know I love them? Am I doing what's needed in my business? Am I doing what's needed in church? Am I doing what's needed to God? Am I bringing glory to him every single day? And if you take small baby steps every week or every day, you will start making massive strides over the course of a year. Think about it. If you would read the Bible 20 minutes a day, six days a week, two hours a week, times that by 50, because there's a couple of weeks you'll miss in the year, 100 hours in the Bible, your life be better. You set a goal to do 100 hours in the Bible, you'll probably stop at hour 10 if you get there. Right. But if you do 20 minutes, if you do 20 minutes a day, and I'm not talking like about 20 minutes, I'm talking start a timer, open the book, stare at the verse that you can't understand for 20 minutes going, why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? Eventually, you will move past that verse and get connected with him. Uh, it's the best thing anyone's ever suggested I do, and I haven't stopped doing it since. It's part of my daily also. Daily actions leads to lifetime results. So we always like to uh, finish out if you've got any advice or anything additional that we haven't covered that you'd like to cover and then prep you for the second part. We always like to also throw a challenge out to the group. We're getting ready to start in the community, uh, like a 90-day challenge. And cool. I actually plan on diving into your books because I've got my frameworks and stuff that I've used and I planned on using them, but I'm like, here's some additional information from somebody that studied practice and teaches. I want to yeah. take your stuff and see if I can make this even better going forward. So absolutely. I love your approach and intentionality. And then what better name than the intentional week for a book? Super cool. Yeah. And, and the intentional week is like a 90 day book, just so you know. So it is definitely something that, that could be helpful, but man, I've given you guys a lot of advice. So I apologize for that. I don't like to normally kind of, you know, should all over you, right? You should do this. You should do that. So if I'm saying you and this and you're hearing it, it's because I'm speaking about me. I mean, all of this stuff is stuff I have to work on. So the only advice I would give you is it is worth putting the effort in. It is worth being obedient. It is worth listening to your wife as hard as that is and how many times they've annoyed you or said something to you that hurt you or spoke to you. Maybe this is the key is recognizing advice that came to me one time was this concept of wounds and we all have wounds yeah. and the devil cries on them. But here's what happens. If you're talking with your wife or your kids, if they're old enough, but this usually happens with my wife, I know she loves me. I know she wants what's best for me. I do know that, but I don't always see that, right? There's a big difference between that. If she says something to me and it hurts me, it's one of two things. It's either a wound of hers coming out 
And it's my job as her other half to complete her, to help put salt on that wound, not to hurt her, but to cauterize it, right? To heal it, to bring that wound out, deal with it, and let's put that where it needs to be so we can become one. Or she's speaking truth to me, and it's hitting a wound. So when we get into these arguments and we're in the spirit, we are able to go, okay, whoa, 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 <laughs> Where is this coming from? What's this hitting? Is this a wound of yours hitting a wound of, like, or is this truth of you coming and hitting a wound? Well, it's truth coming to a wound. Well, no, it's, it's a wound of yours coming to my truth. When we're in the spirit, we're able to sit down and go, okay, let's figure it out. What wound is that? An abandonment? You feel like I'm going to, I'm like, is it, is it, you know, break of loyalty? What, what is it? So recognize if your wife, if you guys are biblically combined in marriage the way we're supposed to be, and she speaks truth and it hurts you, man up, man up. And if she speaks from a wound and it annoys you, man up. It's our responsibility as leaders of the house to be the ones who protect the house. We are the stronger vessel. We need to act that way. We're not the smarter one. Studies have shown that's not the case, <laughs> but we are the stronger one and we, we are, we are positioned and we are anointed to be in that role. So step up. So when you have an examined life, like those nine questions you talked about, you'll yeah. identify areas and guys step up and figure out a way to be purposeful and intentional through that, as opposed to letting life take you where it may. So have Absolutely. you got a uh, challenge for the guys? We was like, I always like to do a weekly challenge, something that okay. they can take, lock in, and execute this week. All right. I got a lot of them. I'm trying to think of what would be the best. If you would say the the give me give me one of the issues that you think I that I could help address. And then I could give you a better challenge. Okay. All right. Let's go with I'll I'll throw you, I'll throw a concept to you and see what you Thank do with you. it. Yeah. So happy wife, happy life. I'm just going to gotcha. do everything I can to make my wife happy. No matter what easy one, right? Easy to tell you, not easy to do. Let's put it that way. You could ask Maria. All right. So what you're going to do is recognize that you can both be right. All right. This is, this is what I'm doing this week. This is my homework for my therapist, right? When Maria says something, my response is you may be right. That's it. No, but no end. And if she asked you a question about something that might not be so biblical, Meaning, is this person talking about this? Is this happening? Maybe some potential drama that sometimes women bring more more available into uh, an organization. Maybe she's having issues at work. Being comfortable answering, I can't answer that question. Not that I, I literally, I can't answer what you're asking me, and then stopping. That would be the that would be the challenge for you this week because I'm doing it and it's tough, right? So you may be right. I can't answer that. And then the final thing is, do not respond. If bothered, if you're bothered, don't respond. Try it for a week. Two things that I recognize by this. Number one, I'm bothered a lot more than she deserves me to be bothered. Does that make sense? It like, does make sense. Yes. And number two, if I don't engage, we don't fight. Yes. Yes. Including with kids. It's funny. You hit me right on my sore spot. Whenever, whenever she asks me a question that I can't answer. It gets me. Yeah. No, I can't. can't. I don't know. I can't give you that answer. What? And they're look, they're smarter than us. There's no question about it. And they will figure it out as long as we don't get in their way. 
And it could be something about, you know, hey, Billy and Tommy, and do you know about the soccer shoes? Huh? <laughs> right. And now all of a sudden you're arguing about why didn't I know or did you know? Or did, you're like, wait, wait, wait. We were talking about soccer shoes. Like one of my favorite comedians, Dane Cook, right? I don't know if you all listen. Oh, yeah, yeah. Dane's right? great. But he does this bit about, you know, this couple that's just in the grocery store and they're just at this level that they fight over everything. And they do this bit on jelly. And Maria and I randomly would be like, jelly, I don't even like jelly. And that's kind of our way of like disarming the situation, right? And, and, and having such, you know, words like that that can disarm it. So one of the ways to disarm it is you might be right. What do you mean I may be right? Oh, what do you mean? What do you mean what I mean? And what came of it was my therapist was like, you know, you both could be right. I was like, that's not possible. I'm a logical human. That's impossible. And she goes, no, because you're not talking facts. You're talking opinions and perceptions. And you both can be right. And if we were to take life and go, wait a minute, social media, we are both talking perception. We are both talking our, the way we are taking something in and then taking it out. It is, it is through our own filter how we're seeing this. So maybe we are both right. Maybe the vaccine is good and bad. Right? Right, right. But we don't sit there and go, oh, you know what? <laughs> you may be right. Because Maria may be right. And in her eyes, she is right. So who am I to tell her she's wrong? Because in my eyes, she's wrong. So who's right? Well, for the 99% of the issues most, cap most couples argue about, it probably doesn't matter. For the 1% that it does matter, there's a book for that. And we can go back to the source code, which is what we call the Bible. Okay, let's see. Here's what it says we got to do. You got to submit and I have to lead. But it's not a one or the other. So let's and get it's into our it. responsibility to understand what that means. The submit and lead gets so confused out there in the world. We because we don't take out. the time to understand it. The best way to understand that verse in Ephesians 5 is, look, there's no then- there's no because, there's no or. It is two separate commandments to a man and a woman. Woman's job, do this. Man's job, do this. Who has the harder job? They're both wildly difficult, wildly difficult. So give the other some grace on it and focus on you and him and not them. Yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah, if you, if you both have your focus on Christ, the marriage works so much better. Uh, speaking from experience, hundred percent. So that would be my 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 challenge. You may be right. Can't answer that question. Don't respond if you're not respond. That's fantastic. I love it. Love it. Love it. Todd Stoudemire had something similar just for life in general about how you how you react or respond. Former baseball cardinal pitcher, and I love to apply that similar concept to your own personal marriage. I appreciate it. And look, if you want something to keep yourself re-engaged on a weekly basis, you can grab one of the books. You can get the planners. They're on our website. You can reach out to me. If you're local here in St. Louis, like I said, let's go grab a drink, hang out, talk, whatever you want to do. I'm always up to meet new good people walking in line. And how can I help support that? I'm all in. No we'll questions. put your links and everything in the show notes, but uh, lifepulseinc.com, right? Yep. And I find us on social media at lifepulseinc. Um, and also you can find our foundation, which I have to talk about every time, oh, which yeah, is yeah. take-part.org. I'm not going to talk about what it is we do. Go check it out. It is a wild gap in the medical world that affects 30 million kids just in the U.S. And 95% of them have no treatment. 30% of them won't make it past five. Natalie's one of them, and she's four and a half. Yeah. So wow. you've heard her story. 
But anyway, yeah. Dan, I know I went over yep. time with you, but I appreciate it, man. This is awesome what you're doing. And again, any way I can help with anything you're doing with this, uh, I'm all in. Dude, I appreciate that so much. I love having wise counsel in my life. And I knew you were one of those and uh, appreciate you <laughs> now being all the way in my life. So thank you, Matt. Happy to do it there. Thank Absolutely. you. Have a good one. You too. God bless you. You too. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Journey of a Christian Dad podcast. Thank you guys for being a light. Shine that light out and let others see it. With you guys, part of this community, it helps me be accountable to you guys. It helps me be accountable to myself, be accountable to God and Jesus. I hope you appreciated this episode and picked up some great things. I hope you like the challenge and hope you can execute on that challenge this week. I ask of you, please subscribe, share the show with others. Join us inside of the Journey of a Christian Dad on Facebook, inside our private community. Share that community with others. Have your buddies join. Have other dads that are looking to grow in their faith, grow as spiritual leaders of their family. As we engage in our journey and be intentional with it, we can help others grow theirs as well. We thank you again for listening. We thank you for all your reviews. Look forward to reading a review of yours on a future show. So, dear God, Thanks for blessing all of us, and thanks for drawing us closer to you. In your name we pray. Amen. Have fun, guys.